Glory to God who has given us salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. I am the youngest of six children born to my mom and dad. And as the youngest, I held a special place in my mother's eye. I don't think that this special place that I held was unknown by my other siblings. I'd often be teased that I was mom's favorite, and to which I would humbly reply, of course I am. (laughs) My older brother, Robert, who was just a year and ten months older than I was, used to wake me up in the middle of the night, Mike, Mike, I'm finishing my prayers, Robert, what? And he'd say, you know, mom may love you more, but dad likes me. (laughs) And I can remember one time asking dad, dad, of the six of us children, who do you love the most? And my father answered, and I will not forget it, I love each and every one of you the same. And yet, I have something unique and wonderful that's absolutely different with each and every one of you. In other words, there's a oneness to the love that he had for all his children, and yet something distinct and wonderful that was particularly ours in our relationship with him and his with us. And I remember that because it helped me to understand truly the love of our Heavenly Father, who loves each and every one of us with the very love he has had for his own Son from all eternity. And yet, in a unique way, in a distinct way, each and every one of us from the moment of conception is loved by God in a unique way. God loves us. He loves us as he loves all, and yet he loves each and every one of us uniquely. What a wonderful concept to to ponder. Last week we were very blessed to have our dear bishop, Bishop Harvey, uh, come and to preside and preach on the Feast of the Holy Cross. And I want us to think a little bit more about that wonderful feast, the cross of Jesus Christ, today. There is a place where we are all equal before the Lord. In the world, great distinctions are seen. In fact, the distinctions among us are emphasized over our oneness. The world doesn't see us all as as equals. But there is a place in this world, the great equalizer, where we are all equal before God, and that is at the cross of our Lord, Jesus Christ. And there's three ways in particular that we are equal when we come before the Lord. And the first is as we come before Jesus, as we come before the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is 
in the love of God that we are equal. While God loves each and every one of us distinctly, while in one sense his relationship with Joan is unique, his relationship with Diana is unique, his relationship with Sarah is unique, his relationship with me is unique, there is a oneness of God's love at the cross that is being poured out for, for the Jew Blood is life. And so God in the person of Jesus is pouring out his blood. He's pouring out his life. He's pouring out his love upon us. How amazing it is, as fallen and broken as we are, that when we come to the cross of Jesus, we encounter the love the Father has had for him from all eternity. He makes no distinction between the love he has for his only begotten son from all eternity and those who are now his children by grace and adoption. That's the love we find at the cross of Christ. We don't go and say, Ah, well, this is a priest, so I will give more love. I will love him even more. No. Whether bishop, priest, deacon, cantor, choir member, person at home asleep today, when we come before God at the cross of his son, he loves us with the very love he has had for his own son from all eternity. Can you imagine any greater gift? I think if we can comprehend this love, which is ours, the love of God, which is ours at the cross of Jesus, we then can understand Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because we have a lo the love of our Father in heaven. And so we're all equal in receiving God's love when we come to the cross. Worldly importance has nothing to do with anything when we stand at the foot of the cross. There we find God's love, and we are equal. And yet it's important to remember that there's something unique and distinct about that love also that is given to each and every one of us by our Father in heaven. I preached a similar sermon this past week in the chapel, uh, and I referred to the second great equality that we all have at the foot of the cross as our human scumbagginess. The fact is, is that at the cross, there's another great equality that we all share, and that is our fallenness. No one is greater than anyone else when we come to the foot of the cross because we all fall infinitely short of attaining to God and his holiness. You may find yourself standing next to Mother Teresa or one of the great saints of old, Gregory of Nyssa, the fans go wild. 
or someone who touched your life whom you truly encountered the holiness of God in them. And yet, no matter who it is you are standing next to, there's an equality there because we fall infinitely short of attaining to God's holiness. And so it is not true that Greg is a greater sinner than I am. It is not true that Diana... Well, let me use somebody else. No, I'm kidding. That, Di <laughs> that Diana is a greater sinner than we are. For when we come before Christ, we open up and we are bare before Him. We stand there in our brokenness, in our fallenness. We stand there in humility before God. And there is a oneness at the cross of Christ. And if we understand that, just as if we understood the love that the Father has for His Son from all eternity is poured out upon us when we come to the cross. And if we understand that, then we would understand what it means in Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Just as that is important, it's important for us to understand that if we, I mean, rather, if we can truly understand that there's a, uh, an equality of our brokenness before the Lord when we come to the cross, then we will be able never to judge others. Then we won't be able to look down and say, like the Pharisee, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like him because he does this, that, and the other thing, and I only do this. That person struggles with that. At least I don't do that. No, when we come to the cross of Christ, we receive God's judgment, and his judgment is mercy when we come to the cross of Jesus. With that in mind, how could we ever, having received his mercy undeservedly, ever judge others? A few weeks ago, I wrote on the HTAC blog regarding judgment. And I said, judgment does not mean that all opinions are created equal. There is an objective truth. And God has revealed this truth to us. We live in an age where people want to say that all opinions are equal. Your opinion is just as good as that opinion. Well, let me go out on a limb here. I'm going to say the Holocaust was not a good thing. Right? That's an objective truth, my friends. That's an objective truth. Right? And so, not judging does not mean that all opinions are good. Or that multiple truths can be held at the same time. What it means not to judge is this. It means never looking at someone and having identified their sin or their struggle, or knowing their particular opinion, no matter how bad it is, that you judge them somehow beyond redemption. They are someone who is not worth God's love, God's healing, God's mercy. They are someone who never can be redeemed. They are just simply to be counted as refuse, to be cast out, go out from us, go away. Go away. 
That's what it means to judge. It's a failure to separate the person as someone loved by God whom God desires to draw to himself to fail to separate them from their sin or their opinions. Judging someone in a biblical sense is to fail to separate a person from their beliefs or actions or even inactions. It is to judge them as, quote-unquote, beyond redemption. It is to believe that as human persons, they are void of basic human dignity, which is innate in every person. Because although fallen, we are created by God. And out of his love does he create us. And in his Son does he call us into relationship with him, that in his Holy Spirit he may sanctify us and make us holy. It is to judge a person as lacking an intrinsic value or any self-worth. I may not like someone's positions, actions, words, but I never by his grace believe them to be beyond redemption or judge them to be lacking basic value or worth as a person. I would help my enemy if I was in a a position to do so. And I will pray for them too. Why? Because they are fallen, broken persons just like me. They have an intrinsic value and worth as human beings, even if they are considered monsters by others. It is the old hate the sin but love the sinner thing. I know so many people who have told me that Orthodox biblical Christians judge people because they hold strong opinions. Holding a strong opinion does not mean that you judge someone. But to count someone as unworthy of respect or love, that is to judge them. Now think back over your life. How many times have you told a boyfriend or a girlfriend or somebody that you love them, right? Elvis. I love you too, baby. (laughs) How many have you told? Well, you know, and then, of course, there was always the um, when someone's breaking up with you and you say, but you said you love me. And then they, they, they do this. They say, well, I love you, but I'm not in love with you, right? You, you, you remember that? Because I do. <laughs> um, but it actually helped me in, in a way to think about this. I've, I have, uh, you know, I have said I love you to a lot of different people. Uh, um, a long time ago, mind you, a long time ago, mind you, that I love you. But when I think of being in love with someone, that means I can't imagine my life without them. In other words, my hopes, my dreams, everything is tied up with them. So in that sense, in that definition, I'm in love with Christine, but I'm also in love with Sarah and Rebecca. I can't imagine my life without my little girls, right? Guess what? What? What did she say? Oh, bless you, bless me. Yes. Get this. We hear a lot about how God loves you. God loves you. God loves me. God loves us all. Guess what? 
God's absolutely head over heels in love with you. He cannot imagine eternity without you. Amen. It is good. That's good news. He's in love with you. And that's why Jesus said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself because he desires every heart to come to him and to receive mercy and to live. But God is just as much in love with you and me as he is the person out there who has hurt you most in this world. Or the person out there who has rejected him over and over and over again. Or the person out there who uh, is considered refuse by the world. God's in love with them. He can't imagine eternity without them. But like a true lover of souls, he will never force them to accept that love. The last way we are all equal before the cross of Christ is in our dignity in Jesus Christ. On the one hand, you remember we, we all have our scumbagginess, right? And we're all equal in that, right? No one can say, well, you know, he's a greater scumbag than this scumbag over here, and thank goodness I'm not like that, right? But we also, there's a, the other side of that coin, that when we come to the cross of Christ, when we allow ourselves to be washed in the blood of Jesus, when we are clothed in his righteousness, there is an equality of dignity. Each and every one of us bears the dignity, worth, value, goodness of our Lord Jesus Christ. We do not presume to come into this, thy house, O Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. It's in his righteousness. This is why the very first vestment that a priest or bishop or a deacon puts on is the white alb, right? Which is kind of redundant because alb means white, but is the alb, is the alb. It's a reminder that we do not come into God's house trusting in our own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Christ Jesus, that we have been robed in Christ, not in ourselves. This is why holy water stoops are there. So when you come into the church, you have the opportunity to say, I don't come in in my own righteousness, but I come in having been washed in the blood of Jesus in holy baptism in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I am washed in his blood. And so we come in. And so you have a worth and a value and a dignity. You have a righteousness in Jesus Christ. And we all have it. That's why we must treat one another with love and respect, as it says in the epistle today. It says, You have been called with all lowliness and meekness, with patience, forbearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so there are three ways in which we are all equal before God's, the cross of Jesus Christ. The first, in God's love. 
The second in our, everyone's favorite word, scumbagginess. Thank you. It's actually Greek. Look it up. Yeah, yeah. But thirdly, in our integrity in Jesus Christ, our worth and our value and our dignity. If we understand these three things, then we understand the gift of God in the cross of Jesus. We understand our redemption. We understand our forgiveness and our value. But we understand also the worth and value of every other human person. Glory to God who has given us salvation in His Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen.